I'd uh, like to invite up our um, speaker, Helen Stevens, who is joining us today from Arosha, UK, uh, a charity, a Christian charity, working to promote um, the welfare of all of creation. And um, some, of us, some of you will have been with us in our earlier services where she talked a little bit about eco-church, which is under the Arosha umbrella, and us uh, taking our first steps towards um, getting our, gaining our bronze award and looking to how we can move on and strive to care for God's world. He has made us his children, his ambassadors, and his stewards. And however small we feel and the contribution we can make, he invites us to partner with him, the God of all the universe, to make a difference where we are. So Helen, if I could invite you to come up and address us. Would you like me to read this passage now? Mm. The supremacy of the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, Jesus might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. All glory to Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you, Lisa, and thank you very much for inviting me to be with you this morning. It's really lovely, or almost this afternoon, <laughs> morning and afternoon, to do both. I know some of you will have been at the 10.30 a.m., um, service, but others of you weren't. And so let me briefly set the scene and then draw deeper on the passage in Colossians that Lisa's just read to us. We're thinking this morning about creation and our relationship to it. In these days of climate and biodiversity crises, the war in Ukraine, and so many other factors um, stacked against us, I want to do so this morning in the context of the hope that we and the whole earth can find in Jesus? How can we learn from Jesus' interaction with the earth? 40 days in the wilderness, time spent, uh, much time spent outside. Yes, he lived in very different times to our urbanized world. Um, time spent praying in a garden. We've just unveiled your Bronze Eco Church Award plaque, um, which we're celebrating today, and many congratulations. That award is the culmination of actions that you are taking together as a church, some of which might be quite small, but which together with thousands of other churches across the country is becoming a powerful force for change. Um, and I said this earlier, but, but for those of you that weren't in the service, just briefly about Arosha UK, we're working to build communities to respond to the environmental crises of our time. And EcoChurch was launched um, coming up seven years ago to provide a practical framework consisting of resources and an online award survey for churches to take action in caring um, for the earth. It's a way in which we can respond and integrate creation care as a core part of our mission as Christians. Um, and as Lisa said at the end of the previous service, and I wish I'd remembered to say, so I'm going to say it now, it's not just about the awards. As much as we all love awards and prizes, um, it is about trying to um, incorporate creation care for the long term, to embed it so that it becomes as natural to us as praying, and indeed praying for the earth. Um, 
incorporating it in all, into all the activities that we already do, not as an add-on. We've perhaps had too human-centric a view of the earth and our place in it. But if we come to this passage in Colossians, we can see God's intention for the whole of creation with Jesus at the centre as the living, breathing story of God's intimate presence in and for all of creation. So how can we learn from Jesus? Before I forget, uh, because it came to mind when we were singing, there's a lovely book called Jesus and the Earth, written by um, Bishop James Jones, former Bishop of Liverpool. Um, I can recommend that to you. Firstly, through Jesus, we can know God as our creator. Jesus is the image of God. The fullness of God dwelt in him, and as such reveals God's intentions for creation, that all things be reconciled to himself, his death on the cross and resurrection that we're looking ahead to in this period of Lent is not just for me and for you, but for the rest and the rest of humanity. It is for all things in heaven and on earth. That's the whole of the creation. It also means that we're being reconciled alongside the rest of creation, all being drawn towards and into a right relationship with God. I went to see a wonderful production of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe last weekend by C.S. Lewis, part of the Chronicles of Narnia, which, from a few nods, thankfully is familiar, um, at least to some of you. It's very noticeable that Aslan, the lion, um, the sort of portrayal of of God in this, um, overcomes the ice queen, and as he does so, so too the land is restored, brought out of a perpetual winter. And the human children who have found themselves in Narnia are part of that restoration story, along with beavers and fawns and all manner of strange and wonderful creatures. So we can know God as our creator, and we can be drawn into relationship with the rest of creation through Jesus. And what this looks like is beautifully described in Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 9 where it talks about the wolf living with the lamb and all of the creatures being in right relationship with each other and the little child who is leading them. Secondly, then, is that when Jesus wanted to feel connected to God, I'm sure he did all of the time, but when he wanted that um, separateness from others and a deeper moment, he often went to places where he was surrounded by the natural world, the desert, the mountains, and a garden, rather than a building, convenient as that might be for our much more urbanized world. And there are also churches really beginning to explore outdoor worship. Um, you know, it's, it, there's something lovely about being outside um, in creation, in nature. And sorry, coming back to um, the garden, it was indeed the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus spent some of his final hours praying and drawing strength from his Father for what lay ahead. Jesus had an intimate connection with the earth during his time on earth, and in a very literal sense, that connection is there throughout the key themes of his life. On Friday, my son's school did an Easter performance of Three Little Trees, which may be known to some of you. Um, I've now heard it twice in the time that he's been at school, but it's, it's a really beautiful little story. Each tree dreamed of what it wanted to become, three trees planted on a hillside. One dreamed of holding treasure, another of carrying a king on the high seas, and the third tree wanted to stay where it was above the valley and grow so tall that when people saw it, they would raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. They were dismayed to be chopped down and used for a feeding trough, a fishing boat, and a wooden cross. But then all had the realization that they had all held, carried, and guided people towards the greatest treasure of all. Jesus laid in a wooden manger and crucified on a wooden cross. He had an earthly, intimate connection to the earth as the desert fathers and mothers would have experienced too. 
And one of our partners in action is Hillfield Friary, a community of a few Franciscans. And I had the pleasure of being with them a few weekends ago. And just everything about the way that they do community, from baking their own bread to growing much of their own food, uh, reflects their very intimate and respectful connection to the earth and to God. I think it's becoming increasingly clear to us that we can refocus, reset, and perhaps have that more intimate connection to God ourselves when we also spend time connecting with nature, with his creation. We need it for our very physical survival, but it sustains us in so many other ways too, which is why doctors are now prescribing, um, socially prescribing time in nature it's something we do actually at Wolffields, our um, urban reserve in Southall. Um, we have people coming along to spend a morning of physical activity or some restful contemplation to help them um, in their mental uh, and physical well-being. And thirdly then, to come back to the pas- passage in Colossians, is the hope that we find in Jesus. We know the end of the story we have a deep and unshakable hope because of what Jesus has done for us and what he continues to do in the world. And we're invited to be part of this work of reconciliation, reconciling people to their father and people to the creation we've been given to steward so that we can see it restored. We can have hope. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, all things can be made new. Everything that sin has broken and corrupted is being restored and reconciled to God. As the kingdom of God is ushered in with Jesus, how can we, as people redeemed in Christ, be part of the redemption of the earth as well? Well, our vision at Arosha UK, which we understand can only be achieved in the very long term and only in collaboration with many others in society and with God's help and intervention, is to see a world of stable climate and abundant nature, where oceans, rivers, air, and soil are free of human pollution. And then secondly, where human society lives in balance with the rest of nature and protects the Earth's natural systems that sustain life. And then thirdly, where people and communities have access to healthy nature locally on our doorsteps. And then fourthly, where the church worldwide understands the biblical mandate to care for all of God's creation as a core part of its mission, manifested in how it treats its land, buildings, investments, and other assets. How might we respond to this vision and create a world as we know it should be, not as it currently is? Well, I'd suggest our first response is to fix our eyes on God and to pray, but not to stop there, to also speak up, to use our voices with our local politicians in campaigning for change. Imagine if even just a quarter of the churches in the UK could become beacons of good practice in caring for the earth and collectively add their voice to national campaigns. EcoChurch, which um, we've touched on a little and, and which I think you know a little bit about, is very much about how we can comprehensively respond and how we can grow together as a learning community and a movement for change. And hopefully there's something in it for everyone. It's not just for those of us that might think of ourselves as environmentalists from the core. We're all environmentalists. We all love nature. And it's going to take all of us to protect it. And that's why Eco Church is about our worship and our teaching, involving our young children um, and our, our young people as well, actually getting them to help us show the way with that beautiful bug hotel outside designed by one of the young people. Young people are crying out for leadership from the church on how we care for the environment. Um, and children have such a, a love of the natural world that we tend to lose as we get older. I remember David Attenborough once being asked um, when he discovered his love of the natural world and he asked the interviewer, well, when did you lose yours? He's never lost it and, and hence has been such a tremendous advocate. So from worship and teaching to our buildings, whatever team you might already be in in church, there's almost certainly a way in which you can also contribute to caring for the earth through that, from the way in which we do hospitality 
um, to um, the food stop that Lisa was mentioning, what wonderful ways of helping to reduce food waste in our community and um, enable people to be fed. Um, so there's lots of ideas out there, lots of ideas in our resources on the website. And then Wild Christian is our program for families and households. Um, one, and there's a household section of EcoChurch too about our own lifestyles, but this will help you to take it even deeper, to explore theologically and practically um, ideas for how we can become better um, earth carers, earth keepers in our day-to-day -day, uh, lives. And also about getting involved in campaigns, both here and abroad. So we are, um, we have 20 or so sister organizations around the world, and we've been part of a campaign with Arosha Ghana, um, campaigning to protect the Atewa forest, uh, which is under threat of mining. But it's a very rich habitat um, and uh, home to some very endangered species. So there are ways through that, through Wild Christian, that we can get involved. Um, if you have time before you leave, please do help yourselves to leaflets, magazines, and, and maybe sign up for Wild Christian or Eco Church um, at the back. Then there's land conservation. We want to see 75,000 acres of land being brought into management for nature in the next five years. And, and we can all contribute to that too, from you know, maybe even window boxes if we don't have a garden, or helping a community space um, to be reinvigorated and, and revived. So we're delighted that you're working towards your Silver Award. Um, we'd love to see many more of you join with us um, on our journey as well, um, with thousands of other Christians around the country. Because um, I said it at the 10.30, but I'm going to say it again. We need courage in the days and months ahead. We have a lot of challenges um, to face, and we have to face into them. To find the courage to talk to others, I think you're part of Pearly Churches Together. I was talking to Anne earlier, and there's a silver-awarded church um, somewhere in your area. I can't remember the name of it now. But find other churches to talk to, and to, to inspire each other, and to look widely at what you can do together in your community. So courage to keep looking ahead at the world as it is, whilst believing and praying for the world as it should be. So in this time of Lent, can we embrace maybe a few simple changes um, in our own homes and lifestyles? The, the keepy cups that seem to be doing well before, um, before the pandemic um, are just slowly making their way back. But simple um, things that we can do. Um, I know we're in the middle of an energy crisis. Thankfully, spring is on the way, albeit <laughs> we've just had a very frosty few days. But putting on... I mean putting on an extra jumper, turning the heating down, whatever it might be, simple changes um, that can all help to, uh, that collectively can help to save the earth. And let's relate to the earth as Jesus did. Um, I'd encourage you to find joy every day in nature. If we just stop and take chance to look at it, as we had a bit more space to do during the depths of lockdown, um, nature is all around us. Um, and spring is such a beautiful time to experience it and maybe take ourselves off we don't live near mountains here um, but we can find um, quiet spaces green spaces even in the midst thankfully of our cities where we can perhaps find a deeper connection to God and once again who better than Jesus to show us the way thank you